This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. S. Leo Chang's documentary films explore lives across continents and culture, from the first Vietnamese American congressman to the first LGBT political party in the Philippines to a legendary Hawaiian ukulele player. His latest film, the documentary short Island in Between, has been nominated for an Academy Award. Its subject, Taiwan's Kinmen Island, and Chang's own relationship to his native Taiwan couldn't be more timely in the wake of Taiwan's recent presidential election and as Congress considers a foreign aid package with billions of dollars at stake for Taiwan and the Indo-Pacific region. Leo, welcome to Political Theater. Thank you, Jason. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. So a, a little recap of, of your film, you know, uh, before we get into some of the, you know, drill, drill down. I mean, this is on New York Times uh, OpDocs. Uh, people can see it there and on YouTube. It is a it's a personal documentary, but it's also a documentary about this uh, this island that is, you know, as I think you're in your words in it. It's China is right there. Kinmen Island is Taiwan, but it is it is two miles uh, from the Chinese mainland. Uh, and, and the film explores your relationship with uh, your your own native Taiwan. Your your father was stationed there during his military service for Taiwan. Uh, you, you have these great interactions with people on Kinmen Island. Just talk about like this, the film and, and what brought you to this project? Um, you know, you, you, you just named off uh, some of my previous films. Um, I, I'm one of those documentary filmmakers who is curious about cultures and people and places that's other than my own, really. For my entire career, I've been uh, uh, working in, in those spaces. Um, but uh, in the last several years. Um, so I was born and raised in Taiwan and I moved to the U.S. as a teenager. Uh, but about seven years ago, I decided to move back to Taipei uh, because my, my parents uh, have never left. Uh, we're, we're still there and we're getting older and, and um, I find myself also working more and more in Asia. So um, it, it seemed to make sense to move back there. Um, I think after moving back there, one of my frustrations and is that it's very, it seems like it's very difficult to tell Taiwanese stories for the international audience. Um, people always know Taiwan in the context of China, if at all, right? Like the, the joke for us Taiwanese is like, you know, people ask us if we have any great Thai food lately and, you know, um, <laughs> if we are from Bangkok, you know. Um, so, uh, and I think also because in the last couple of years, um, there's there have there has been more interest in, in Taiwan. I think it's a combination of um, how Taiwan has managed COVID really well. Um, definitely the the chip wars that's uh, happening right now with the you know with the uh, the uh, between U.S. and China. You know, um, try to get these high end uh, chips. Um, uh, but also, you know, with Pelosi's visit and the, the tension escalating, it felt like uh, there was a, a great window to tell a Taiwanese story um, for the international audience. Um, you know, th there's been a lot of really wonderful uh, journalism reporting um, around the issue of the, the Taiwan Strait. Um, I thought what I could bring to this uh, was a very personal take, um, you know, 
on uh, on the Taiwan story, and, and also because I have this um, you know transnational background. You know, I am a Taiwanese and an American passport holder. Um, I felt like I was the right person to take the Taiwanese stories and and translate it basically for the international audience. So that's really how how this film came about. And and again, Kinman Island is just so fascinating to me. I mean, the the I, I mean, in in your film, you liken it, and other people have likened it to Berlin during the Cold War, where um, you know it's 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 not just two miles from the Chinese mainland; it's also surrounded by China China's mainland. Mass. It's it's like a I think one uh, like a State Department or something like that uh, educational film refers to it in the in the film that you uh, that you have is as the cork you know uh, in in the in the bottle or the, of a and it's it is this you know I, I think that you know Americans in particular are. Uh, almost inured in, sometimes to how far off wars can be that we're involved in, um, or or conflict. You know, we don't really have. I mean, there's there's tension on the southern border right now. You know, with with the immigration debate and 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 uh, and 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 that sort of is particularly in, in Texas. Uh, but we don't have anything like you know guns pointed at us, you know, like from from you know, and and uh, and and such a, a level of international tension uh and and hostility between two areas and i i think it's just it's it's also you know the the images you pack a lot into into 19 minutes uh in in this documentary because you've got your own story you've got your parents you've got the people on the island and some of the images that you show in this you know they're they're these they're just gorgeous like some of the man-made stuff you know there with the you know the the towers and and the lights on in both on kinman and in the mainland and then also just like the this the, you have this image that's everywhere this sinking tank this you know world war ii era tank that's sinking into the beach and people doing fashion shoots there and so forth it's just this great like how did you even pare it down because it seems like there's so much there to cover how did you get it into 20 minutes um, I, I think I think that was you know people ask me what was the biggest challenge uh, for to make this film and then I, I really do think it's kind of a simple film and a simple story you know it's a glimpse it's nothing complicated we're not trying to you know uh, give a, a really comprehensive situation you know uh, sort of description of the situation um, but that is exactly. Uh, why it was difficult um, because it, we had to take these really rich, you know, um, layers of history, um, definitely between Taiwan and China. But U.S. played a huge role, you know, as, as you're mentioning, you know, um, and try to pare that down into something that feels like, you know, spot a spare. Um, you know, it, it makes room for for these images that, uh, you know, that hope I hope actually tells a lot of the the story and then fills in a lot of holes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the big challenge there was always like, how do I personalize this really complicated geopolitical situation, right? I mean, I could explain, I could give you a history lesson, um, but I think that people are, are intrigued or compelled or, or, or connect to a story the most when you touch them in the heart, 
in, you know, in addition to in the head. And you have to pick just the right details and just the right images that is resonant, that's memorable, right? I mean, the, both that image of the tank and, and that, that uh, broadcast tower, especially in the evening, are very memorable. Um, so, so I, I think, I think, you know, for, for me, those were the, the biggest challenges to pick just the right words and wrote, you know, write just the right narration, uh, to describe the, the situation. Um, and I mean, Kimmen is, it's such a fascinating place. It really is. Uh, and, and in terms of American involvement, um, if you, if you Google the, the name, the old, uh, English name for Kimmen, which is Kimoy, Q-U-E-M-O-Y, and uh, Nixon Kennedy, you'll find this portion of the 1960s presidential debate when the two of them talked about the Kimmen Islands. In addition to Matsu Island, which is another set of islands, just you know, in similar situation further yeah. north. Um, where uh, uh, Kennedy says it's really dumb for uh, you know Americans to help the uh, the Chinese Nationalist Army to defend uh, these two islands that are really you know militarily really you know strategically poorly positioned should people should you know uh, the, the military should retreat from um, from these two islands and just defend the Taiwan Strait which is a more natural barrier between uh, you know uh, Taiwan and China where Nixon comes out and say you know we're not giving those commies a single inch of the free <laughs> land you know um, so uh, it, I think I think that that's that's a difficult part is even though the US has been involved and I, I not just involved integrally involved right, right? And, until today um, uh, the Americans have, have just very little knowledge of the situation there and and it is very far away you know all the way literally on the other side of the globe so um, I, I feel I wonder if also it, part of it is just this sort of particularly after the United States recognized, the, uh, communist China as as China in the UN and stopped its recognition of Taiwan or as as the you know as the you know the legitimate Chinese government. Um, it's it, we've had you know the United States has had this sort of strength, strategic ambivalence about Taiwan about you know there there is you know an embassy here in the United States but they can't call it an embassy you know there's an ambassador but they can't call him an ambassador. Um, you know, every time somebody, uh, you know, talks to, to President Biden about Taiwan, his aides, you can just feel them clench up that, you know, he's going to say something that is going to offend either the, you know, the Chinese or the Taiwanese government. <laughs> and we just, and, the, and that sense, I think that what's a real strength of your film is that you, you take that, that there is that sort of weird in-betweenness, if you will, of the United States relationship and other countries' relationship to Taiwan, and and it's it's also a part of your own identity. You know, like there is this great scene where you lay out all three passports that you have. Uh, you know, your your American passport, your Taiwanese passport, and then the it, it's called the what is it the the, the companion passport? Yeah, the, the Chinese. Yeah, the Taiwanese compatriot. Uh, uh, I don't know what the pro appropriate translation is. It basically like a, a, a residence permit where. Right. You know, from from the Chinese government's perspective, I'm a Chinese national, right you now. So that's my ID in their eyes. You know, um, yeah. so yeah, the compatriot permit. 
Yeah, and just communicating that, you know, and, and we're, we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, 80, going on, you know, 75, 80 years of this weird relationship that the United States has to to Taiwan. And it it is, what I think, what I find fascinating too, is that the, it's not a static one, even, you know, even now, because as I, you hinted this in, in your film too, that the, you know, there are 24 million people who live on Taiwan and, you know, most of them are, you know, a, a lot of them have been born since, you know, like, you know, the, from the sixties on, you know, when things started to change with the Taiwan's relationship to the UN and the United States. And, and they think of themselves as Taiwanese, not necessarily as, as you know, Taiwanese first, not, you know, the, the, the party of uh, um, nationalist China after, after World War II. And it's just this, again, sort of a fascinating uh, uh, viewpoint of of like this rapidly evolving, you know, culture at the same time that the political system is also rapidly evolving. I, I think that sometimes people have this idea that identity, um, you know, it's like as we grow up, as we kind of, you know, start to self-actualize, right? Start to learn who we are as people. It's like we're we're going on a treasure hunt for the, this identity thing and you dig it out and you open a box and there it is, you know, that's my identity and I'm taking it. I know who I am now and I'm done, you know, but that's not the case, you know? I mean, I guess, especially for, for people like me, people like people in Taiwan, where the the situation around you are constantly evolving, and 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 your relationship to it is constantly evolving. You know, um, I think that you're you're describing this sort of transition from Taiwan being the quote unquote free China um, because of the the you know it being uh, run or led by the the losing side of the Chinese Civil War for right. for so many years to now where the younger generation have don't know the wall the war at all and and they just fully embrace this taiwanese identity and they're really confused about why taiwan is not seen as a country because we have a president we have a legislate legislature you know we we have mayors down to the neighborhood association head you know why why we have a full fully you know functioning democratic government that has consistently 70 80 percent 70 80 percent of voting rate i mean that's unthinkable in the u.s um and and we're not a country you know because our neighborhood bully says well that's not a person over there you know even though it looks like a person it acts like a person it's not a person um so it it's when you have that that you know it it sort of I don't know, in some ways it messes with the heads of, of the people that, that live in Taiwan, right? And then, so so it is this constantly evolving um, relationship uh, to to what it means to be a Taiwanese person and, and this constantly evolving relationship with China and with the U.S. Right. And and you should mention too that you're, you've, you've done work in, in China. Um, you know, the, one of your films, one of your more recent films, Our Time Machine is set in in China, you know, it's a it's a, 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 about a um, you know it takes place in the Shanghai Opera House. So, some of it, I mean, so I mean, like you've you have spent time in in China and worked in China. And there's a there's a passage in your film where you talk about like how you know when you went there after you were expecting you know basically the way people describe North Korea, <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, and it was this vibrant, incredibly vibrant place. And, you know, the, the, the ferry between Kinmen and the mainland was restarted and there was a, like a little bit more interaction than COVID just as it did for it disrupted, disrupted all of that. And, and it's, uh, it's, 
again, like it's not just a, you know, you, I think you really touch on that, how this is complicated because it isn't so much that is a political thing, but a lot of the people in China and Taiwan don't view each other as enemies. They're, they're still there. It's like literally the neighbor, right? I, I, w- I would say that most people in in China and Taiwan uh, don't view each other uh, as enemies. Um, you know, it, it, when it's all said and done, we, we are ethnically, you know, at least the majority of Taiwan and the majority of China are ethnically Han Chinese. And we, we do share um, the same history, um, you know, and I, I think that... I think that's the, I, I, for me, you know, this is actually, as I'm saying this, I'm actually struggling as well. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, do I, I look at what China is doing in terms of its policy outwards and its policy inwards. And I think that government is just doing a terrible job. Right. Um, but at the same time, I have such fondness for the people, you know, and for the place. And I find the place just really fascinating. And, and and I know a lot of my my friends in China or my friends who are Chinese in in dias, diaspora, um, they feel the same way, you know, about the Taiwanese people, and 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 so when we have this this you know uh, you know reading about the, the the tension up and down and you know the the fact that China China might be militarily threatening Taiwan, it's just hard for us to process, and it's hard for us to sort of find a way to critique China, but without painting it as this, you know, evil monolith, which is, I think, the, you know, the, the issue with the, some of the international coverage of China is, is that, that people are, are simplifying it to be this, like, sort of monolithic, um, you know, people are all drones and they believe in, you know, what Xi Jinping says and they do all these terrible things. But that simply is not the case. You know, people have have thoughts and ideas and, and they're not allowed to express themselves, perhaps, or they're trying to express themselves in ways, you know, more underground, more more sort of hidden ways. But but there's a whole there's a diverse population and diverse opinion in China as, as, as there is in Taiwan. So. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very interesting situation right now, and I, I I can't help but feel too that the one of the reasons for some of the escalating anxiety, you know, about you know what could happen is that you know in in the case of Hong Kong, you know, when when the British you know relinquished control in 1997, there was still you know for years you know an independent press, and I mean as as a film buff, you know, like I love you know so many so much of the cinema that came out of Hong Kong. And, you know, it had a, a more distinct, you know, like world that seemed like it could continue. And then we saw this crackdown, you know, in, in this gradual ramping up of, you know, cracking down on on the press. And and it's I think that that is because Taiwan has so much of its own culture and developing and including the film community. I do want to talk about the film community in, in Taiwan because it's a it's an incredibly diverse and 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 interesting and, and crazy, you know, uh, film community that there, there is this anxiety that that could happen if, if there is, even if there's a peaceable solution to, you know, you know, I think somebody talked about in the inevitability of, of, of China and Taiwan, you know, kind of coming back together and what that would mean. Would it be another situation like Hong Kong? Well, I I think if if China is trying to, you know, convince Taiwan to to accept this, you know, sort of uh, 
one one nation two system you know uh, arrangement i i think what they did in hong kong just sort of ruined that deal i mean there's no way the taiwanese people is going to believe china now when they say you know um, yes, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get together and you get to do your own thing for the next hundred years. I mean, that's what they told Hong Kong. I mean, not, not, you know, not specifically that scope, right? I'm just sort of throwing the hundred years out as a, um, as a random number. But the fact is, um, China had promised Hong Kong self-rule for, uh, for decades and, and, you know, in a matter of, of, you know, I don't know, 20, I guess it's, it is also been already 30 years 20, um, yeah, 27, yeah, 27, almost yeah, 27 years almost since the handover. Right. 27 years. That's it. Yeah. Almost 30 years. Um, and then they just decided that they're done and, and, you know, the system or this arrangement is no longer. And it, that whatever in, in Hong Kong turned the Taiwanese public opinion squarely against China. I mean, yeah. people just don't trust China anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, people people see China, people are worried, um, and and I'm not, I don't want to paint this picture of like people are sitting all day long fretting and thinking about this because you know in Taiwan um, people are going on uh, about their lives and and in in some people really do see this as just another um, blip in the the seventy years of the same thing. You know, maybe it's a little bit more tense than than ten years ago, uh, but it's still not you know, the way that the the outsiders, the, the international press is painting it. But at the same time, no one is looking at China and thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, no one's looking at Hong Kong and thinking that China is a, 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 a credible partner, you know, in any negotiation coming up. And, um, and then the frustration, though, is also that the Chinese government, the way they make decisions is so opaque and unpredictable. So it's not like there's a pattern where, you could kind of figure out what they're gonna do next, you know. So, so I think Taiwanese people do live in this limbo, and and it's a limbo that 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 we have no control over, um, you know. And and you know, again, I mean, that's not the whole of our existence, but that's a big part of our ex- existence that we deal with, and that's kind of what I wanted to to present in this film. Really, it's that feeling of of being in limbo and that feeling of being stuck in between. Yeah. No, I think it's, and I think it's communicated very well. Um, and so I, I do, I going back to, you know, the, the, uh, again, being a part of like this very vibrant film culture in, in Taiwan. And, and again, I, I realize that I am in the minority, you know, because I'm that much of a film dork, you know, <laughs> that I've, you know, that I've attended, you know, like screenings, you know, here in, in Washington, Washington, uh, you know, is again, you know, it's a, different audience you know you can you can screen taiwanese films and people will come you know and and maybe that's not the case in you know some some other places but you know we're very you know with the the um the the taiwanese you know uh, the the educational and cultural authority techro i think they're called you know they they sponsor a lot of events here there's a actually an incredible restaurant here in, in dc maketo uh that that uh, the chef is uh, Taiwanese American Eric Murray Yang. I mean, so I I I'm a little bit more invested in it, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> um, but talk about this. The, you are now, you know, you're you're living in Taipei. I mean, you're 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 coming to us from San Francisco, but you're living uh, more in Taipei. You know, uh, as you stated at the beginning of the podcast, talk about like being a part of that film culture because it's. I mean, it's, again, it's there's a lot of people who live in Taiwan, but it's got to be a small world, small town for for the movies. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I think I, I think folks know Taiwanese cinema, right? The new Taiwanese cinema with uh, with Ho Xiaoxian and Edward Yang mm-hmm. and Tsai Ming Liang, um, and and I think maybe more people know about you know Ang Lee, uh, yeah. who who you know I, I I guess maybe people don't know that he's Taiwanese. They probably think he's uh, Chinese or you know he's definitely ethnically Chinese. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's been a rich history of, of cinema in Taiwan, um, and you know you were mentioning Hong Kong cinema back back in the the 80s and 90s. I mean the two film community were quite integrated. You know the the, the Taiwanese um, actors will go and make movies in Hong Kong, and and you know people collaborate. And we certainly grew up watching Jackie Chan movies and and whatnot. So John Woo um, movies and <laughs> Chow Yun Fat okay. and all that. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, you know, you're you're a film buff. I'm a film buff. I mean, that's how I became a filmmaker because I, I just love. I, I I you know I think that was those were always my favorite time. In, in as a child is spending you know those two three hours or um, I guess movies weren't as long then no they weren't <laughs> Maybe yeah. like an hour and a half two hours right um, in the dark theater um, so um, and and the documentary community is also very much growing and it's becoming more vibrant um, there's a, a, a actually kind of significant support from the government uh, for for documentary filmmakers. Um, I think that some of the challenges that, that we have with the documentary uh, field is that um, there, there isn't necessarily an understanding of the international audience. Um, so uh, there, there's actually, I mean, yeah, there have been really incredible sort of box office setting documentaries that domestically gross more than a lot of the Hollywood films. But, um, uh, but there's not as much that uh, are... You know, sort of accepted or, or sort of celebrated internationally. So that's what we're hoping to change. You know, we're, we're hoping yeah. that that coming up, we can be a part of this uh, this movement to to get more Taiwanese nonfiction out in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, like uh, uh, I, I I love Edward Yang's film. I love uh, I I always say that English name wrong. The A Brighter Summer Day. I think that's a. Uh, do you know that film? It's no, the, no. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's actually a. It's very long. It's like a four-hour epic, um, but it's amazing because it, it it does what I want to do in my films, which is that take a very personal approach to this really epic, you know, geopolitical yeah. situation. I mean, it is about the arrival of the nationalists, um, okay. you know, uh, from China to Taiwan and what happened to the Taiwanese during that time. Okay. Um, you know, the, the the oppression, some of the the sort of uh, you know um, more uh, violent things that happened during that time, but it's framed around this really innocent love story between two teenagers, you know? So, oh. um, yeah, it's, uh, add something to the queue now. <laughs> yeah. You, you should, you should watch it. The, the, the lead is a, a teenage, uh, Zhang Zhen, who is a, a Taiwanese actor who was, who played the, the doctor in Dune most recently. And okay. do you know who he is? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he he's a Taiwanese actor. So he was like 16 years old and he was a lead in that film. So it's, oh, a, wow. it's a really beautiful film. So um, yeah, please catch you catch it if you can. And 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 Ang Lee, you know, I mean, what what can you say about that, that right. guy? I mean, just such an inspiration, you know. Yeah. Um, the fact that he can tell stories from all different cultures and all different backgrounds and just really, you know, just m- a- allowing the audience to connect to all these different characters as human beings, you know, the, the yeah. way he humanize- humanizes a situation. Um, you know, it's, I'm a big fan. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think that that, you know, the, 
that seems to be what you're attempting with your own films too, you know, is, is taking these, you know, taking these very, you know, kind of potentially complicated, uh, shall we say, political situations or cultural situations and zeroing in on, on a few lives and a few images and, and, and weaving them. So um, again, the, the movie, uh, your, your movie is uh, Island in Between. Uh, it's uh, nominated for an Academy Award. That, this must be uh, a talk about limbo. You've got, <laughs> you've still got a, a few weeks before you find out. Uh, but, uh, you know, anyway, it's t- time to get uh, fitted into your tux and so forth, right? For, uh, for your trip down to, to Hollywood. Any, anything else we should know before, uh, before we wrap things up? Uh, no, no, I'm just uh, I'm just thrilled that the stories out there um, that that I, I get to introduce a little bit of Taiwan, you know, to the world and people are getting curious and and and, you know, like you said, Jason, it's available on the New York Times website and uh, it's also available on their uh, YouTube channel, the New York Times YouTube channel. Um, so it's actually readily accessible. And it, and it is not four hours long. It is 19 minutes. It's a, it's very, it's very digestible. <laughs> it's low, low commitment at, at 19 minutes, not even 20 minutes. You can watch Leo, it at lunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, Leo, thank you so much for taking time uh, to, to talk about your movie. I encourage everybody to watch it. Good luck at the Academy Awards. I can't imagine what's going through your head uh, and enjoy, enjoy the run up to it. Uh, and, and would love to love to have you back again. I, I wish, I wish we were doing this podcast uh, in 2012 uh, when uh, Mr. Cow goes to Washington came out, uh, but you know, we'll maybe, maybe another time, maybe we'll do a rewatch or something like that and try to try to get you back on the show. <laughs> uh, anytime, Jason. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.